This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. Radical forgiveness. The word radical is an interesting word. It refers to something that's extreme, something that's over the top, something that is far more than is expected. So, to really understand this parable, we have to place it in its proper setting. Before the parable, Jesus talks to his disciples, and he says to them, if your brother sins against you, you should go to your brother just between the two of you and work it out. And if that doesn't happen, then bring a witness and if that doesn't work, tell it to the church. And, and the disciples are listening, and Peter, Peter responds with these words. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? It's believed that the rabbis always stated that you should forgive others three times. So Peter, who's been hanging around Jesus for quite some time now. He knows how Jesus works. Jesus is kind of an extravagant guy. Jesus is kind of, well, radical when it comes to things like mercy and grace. And so, instead of three times, Peter decides, I'll even more than double that. Hey, Lord, how about seven times? You almost get this feeling like Peter's headed Jesus off at the pass. But Peter finds out you cannot out-radical Jesus. No, he says, Jesus says to Peter, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. My goodness. That's radical. In other words, what Jesus is saying, let's not keep track. Let's just keep forgiving. So Jesus then tells this particular parable, a parable about a servant who owed a king a radical amount of money. It was a radical debt. It was a debt that he never, ever could have paid. Let's just throw it out there. It's $10 million. And so what does he do? There's no way he can come up with this kind of money as the king is settling accounts. And it's demanded of him immediately. And what does he do? He pleads to the king for patience. Isn't that interesting? Be patient with me. There must have been two questions in the minds of the hearers that day. The first one would have been, how could somebody have accumulated such an exorbitant debt What kind of a foolish individual would this be who's not even keeping count of the money he owes? And the second question must have been this. If he owed that much money, how could patience help in any way? There's no way he could pay this off if he had ten lifetimes to live. foolish. That's what's in the mind of the hearers. This servant is absolutely foolish, but so are we. It is quite amazing the debt that we have racked up in our lives. 
and it's a debt that we cannot pay either. But when it comes to the debt of sin, we ask God to be patient, haven't we? Hey, Lord, be patient. I'll be better. I'll, I'll try to do some things to work off the evil that I have done. I, I'll be better in my worship, and I'll, I'll try harder to love other people. Just be patient. Just watch. Just give me some time. But I am a sinner, and I do know that time isn't going to solve the problem nor is patience. I just can't stop it. And, and my debt keeps mounting. And, and the tragedy is the wages of sin is death. Death. Now, truth be told, um, ours is a very, very patient God. As a matter of fact, the Psalms and, and throughout the Old Testament we hear this over and over and over again. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's patient, which literally means long-suffering. The Lord is radically patient with us. But understand this, it is not God's patience that saves us. It is rather God's radical mercy that saves us. Mercy is what's needed when patience is not enough. Mercy is what's needed when patience can't fix it. So in the midst of, uh, of this servant crying out for the king's patience, the king, the king has pity on him. It's the perfect word. Pity. Because this is one who cannot help himself. And the king's patience is what moves him to pity the servant, this hopeless, helpless condition. And, and it's the king's pity then that moves him to be merciful to the hopeless servant. The king actually interrupts the servant's pleas for patience so that he can announce mercy instead, forgiveness. And God interrupts our pleas. Oh, Lord, give me time. Oh, Lord, just give me another chance. Oh, oh Lord, let me prove myself. Lord, let me show you I can do better. And we just say, wait, Lord, be patient. And we ask for patience, and instead, God gives us mercy-filled forgiveness. Now, how shocked the hearers of Jesus' parable must have been. Who has ever heard of such a king who just cancels debts? Could there ever be a king that would be so merciful that he would absorb the debt of such a foolish servant? But in the parable, the king did assume the debt, and set the servant free, forgiven, totally. And so every single human being who is crushed by the weight of sin's debt, who has heard Jesus 2,000 years ago and again tonight, every one of us who are crushed by the debt of sin find relief in the mercy of of our King Jesus. And we are astonished 
that we have such a radically merciful king. That's exactly what he is. He takes our sin and he takes our guilt to the cross and there he pays our debt and there he calls us forgiven, freed, excused from the debt. Wouldn't it be great if the parable ended right there? Jesus has this way of continuing parables just when you think, oh, that's perfect, Jesus. Stop right there. We'll go have lunch. But the parable goes on. Our friend and brother leaves the king. He's totally forgiven only by the mercy of the king who has pity on him. And he bumps into a fellow servant out in the street who owes him $10. Pay me now, he says. I don't have the cash. And he begins to choke him. And the man, as he's being choked, says, be patient, and I will repay you. But the forgiven servant suddenly has no patience and no pity, and he has the man thrown into prison for, for such a pittance. This is a man who suffers from radical amnesia. And, and the listeners of the, uh, of the parable must have become furious. Who would act like this? Who, if they were forgiven $10 million, would have someone thrown into debtor's prison over $10? Who would do such a thing? Wouldn't the joy of forgiveness move him to forgive? What was he thinking? I don't know, maybe he was thinking this. Maybe he was thinking, well, you know, the king is rich. The king has like the entire kingdom and he's not going to miss even $10 million. But I'm not a rich guy. I need every dollar I can get. Or maybe he was thinking, you know, it's a small debt. The guy should be able to pay for it today. Whatever it was, his thinking, it wasn't appropriate. It was selfish. The fellow servant had asked for patience. And you think about this. Patience just might have worked this time. You know, pay off your debt a couple dollars a week and in no time it would have been completely satisfied. The truth is, patience wasn't called for. It really wasn't needed. Because mercy should beget mercy. And notice, notice that the servant who was forgiven that entire debt is not patient or merciful. Perhaps if he was reminded of the patience and the mercy shown to him, perhaps if someone was there alongside of him, tapping him on the shoulder and saying, hey, just remember what happened to you. You got yourself out of prison solely by the, the grace and the mercy of the king. Maybe, maybe that would have done something for him, and maybe that's what we need. We need the constant reminder that the patience and the mercy of Jesus Christ were shown to us from the cross. Patience and mercy intersected at the cross to produce a forgiveness that gives new and everlasting life. And so we are now called 
to radical forgiving. You know, we have a problem with forgiveness, don't we? Because it doesn't always feel right, forgiveness. No, I, I'm, when we're forgiven, it feels just great. It's nice and comfortable, and we really like it. But when it comes to our forgiving others, we're a bit uncomfortable with that because maybe it seems like we're letting someone off the hook. And the truth is, we are. Or maybe when we're forgiving, it, it seems like we're, we're letting someone off scot-free. And we are. This is what mercy is. So the two things to remember when it comes to forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is free to us because Jesus paid the price. And the second thing to remember is Luke 12, 48, where Jesus said, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And you know, we think of that so often in terms of material possessions, so that if you have a nice job with a healthy paycheck, you have been given much, so you should be sharing much. And that's true, but I think there's a, even a deeper spiritual element in here. Maybe we should hear Jesus say, everyone to whom much forgiveness was given, of him will much forgiveness be required. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Christians were known to the world as those who forgive, as those who are patient and merciful? But that seems like a big task, doesn't it? To get seven billion people to think that way. Maybe we need to start smaller. What would our relationships be like if we employed patience and mercy? What if we decided to forgive just like we are forgiven? Imagine what our families and our homes would be like if we exercised patience and mercy. What would it be like in our friendships and our neighborhoods if we would forgive? What would What would it be like to live among workmates and classmates if we loved as we are constantly loved by a radical Jesus? Just think about it. What joy it would be to live among one another. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.